Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All. I'm the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We are a Pinterest marketing agency. During the summer, we take a little bit of a break from talking about Pinterest tips to talk about business stories. We've been doing that for a couple of weeks now. We have a four-week stint where we're going to be just sharing what these business owners and their journey has been like. And we hope for you that you'll take away an aha, a tip, a trick, an action item, whatever it is. It can just be just listening to a good story. So today's podcast is, is it time to sell your business? And Alexis Grant has a business called They Got Acquired. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about her journey to selling two businesses, actually, and then what it's been like to start this this business to tell the stories of people who have sold theirs. She especially has a passion for helping women get into this space that is predominantly dominated by men and helping them see that it's possible for them to buy and sell businesses. So we hope you enjoy the, this conversation. There is some lawnmower noise, but listen, that is summer. That is how it goes. We all have to mow our lawn and sometimes the neighbors have to mow their lawn and it doesn't happen at an ideal time. So just roll with it. It only is for a short time and then it's done. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you that we are having a Christmas in July sale for our accelerator package. So here at Simple Pin Media, we've been managing people's Pinterest pages for nine and a half years. We know everything there is to know about Pinterest. We have a team of really knowledgeable people who know the latest tactics, tactics, best practices, strategies, and ways to grow your business using Pinterest. We believe that Q3 and Q4 are one of the highest traffic times for any business that's leveraging Pinterest, but you have to get out ahead of the game. And so we want to help you get up and running on Pinterest as quickly as possible through our accelerator package. We want you to meet with our discovery call team. And if you find that the package might not be right for you, we may have some other sweet deals for you on our management, our strategy calls, our audits, or our cleanup. Our team knows exactly how to guide you, what you need. We take into consideration all the things that you do with your business and where you're at. So go to simplepinmedia.com slash services to set up that free call. I want to remind you, it is not a strategy call. This is a call with us to figure out if hiring Simple Pin Media is right for you. And especially now taking advantage of our super sweet sale for $200 off our accelerator package. This ends July 30th, 31st, 31st. And so you want to make sure that you book a before then so you can get that discount. We want to get you in front of the current 463 million active users on Pinterest. And now is the time. So scroll down below in your podcast app and you will see a sign up for a discovery call. Okay, let's jump into my interview with Lexi. You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Lexi, welcome to the Simple Pen Podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, me too. So we're going to start with our first question in our summer story series, which is, when did you first believe, understand, kind of whatever word you want to use, 
that you were, are an entrepreneur? Gosh, I don't know if I can think of a time when it really snapped into place for me, but I do remember when I first was running my, my first business, having like starting to realize that I liked running a business. And I'm not sure I would have said entrepreneur at that point. But for my life until then, I had really avoided business stuff. So I went to school for journalism. I worked as a reporter at a number of publications before starting a business. And I had always resisted even taking business classes at school. Like I remember my dad was always saying, why don't you just get a business class in here or there? And I really wasn't interested. And that all changed for me when I started my first business because I started to realize that it felt really fun and satisfying to me to be able to make money on my own terms, like in the way that I wanted to, and not have to wait for somebody to issue, issue me a paycheck. <laughs> right. So I think that's kind of when the, the fire got lit for me. So journalism. So tell me a little bit about why you kind of resisted the idea of your dad saying, take business, take business. Was it you had a different idea of what like business was and you were like, I'm on this path. I'm a journalist. Don't distract me. What was the kind of response to the pushback? I just thought it was boring. Um, and like my, my parents are both accountants. And I think I thought, saw business as like being kind of close to accounting in some way. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, the word business, even today, even today, honestly, it sounds boring to me, but what I do is, you know, figuring out how to provide value to people in different ways and how can I make money off of that? That's like really fun and like gamified for me. And I think jives well with my personality, but I had just never really been presented with it in that way. And looking back, I, I can see now connection points. So like when I was a kid, I used, I started a, a newspaper I called the Kid Stuff newspaper that was just in our neighborhood. Um, so there was little moments like that where I was like, hey, what can I go out and sell? Um, but yeah, I just, it didn't strike me as something that was for me until I kind of fell into it. Yeah. So talk about that. How did you fall into it? Yeah. So it's been a long time since I've talked about a lot of this stuff, which is kind of cool to reflect back. It feels like a long time ago now. <clears throat> um, I was working at US, or at um, the Houston Chronicle kind of earlier in my career as a reporter. And I decided to take some time off to travel in Africa. So I backpacked around a bunch of countries in, in Africa, some in West Africa. I did Madagascar. And I, when I came home, um, I took some time to write a book about it. And it was during that time that I realized I had to figure out my next step. And so I started looking for a job um, in DC, which is where I, where I had lived there uh, um, at one point during my career. And as I was looking for a job, I just realized I needed to do something because I was, I was back living at my parents' house. I was 27 years old. Um, I wanted to make some money. And I started um, basically working as a freelancer, helping businesses with social media. And I, I, that happened because I was, I was out hiking with a friend one day and we were talking about how he could grow his business. It was a four by four um, business. Like they taught people how to drive four by fours. And I was saying, Hey, you should be using social media and email marketing for this. And he said, why don't you talk to my boss and see if you could do this for us? And that's how I got my first client. And that business ended up turning into more of a, um, kind of got away from social media and into content marketing generally and turned into a small agency. Wow, that's incredible. So 
you fall into this, you're still using your gift of writing, um, but you're just writing in a different way. So tell us about the agency. That's super cool. How many clients did you have? What did you learn and take away from that time? I think I the biggest thing I learned was how to build a team around me. And I got that's where I got my first practice at doing that because I'd always been an individual contributor at my job. I never had to manage anyone. And um, I grew a team of contractors, but it really gave me practice at how do I put all these processes in place? How do I get things to move along without me? <laughs> um, and I realized I actually I really like that stuff. And operations is one of my strong suits because I enjoy that piece. And then I think I also just learned like how do I think about business in different ways? So at first I had lots of clients that were smaller. And over time, I ended up, I think I ended up selling that business. I think we only had, I want to say eight clients when, I, when we sold. It was just me and a team of contractors. I didn't have any employees, but they were, pay, they were bigger clients. Um, and I just realized with that it was easier to manage a smaller roster of bigger projects than many, many projects. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's hard. It's, you're definitely spread thin when you have a lot as opposed to just a few. So you sold that business. Talk me through that process. Like, this is accidental agency for you. You're no longer full time in journalism. Now you're doing this. Um, how did the idea to even sell the business come about? Well, it didn't come to me. It came to okay. the buyer. The, the buyer asked me if they could buy the business. Okay. And the way it happened was one of our clients was a personal finance media brand called the Penny Hoarder. And we started out with just a little bit of content for them. But over time, we ended up running all the content on their site. And it was a big project. I had uh, um, I had a number of editors on my team. And usually, they were each doing a couple of clients. But for this project, we had one editor was all of her time was spent on this one blog, basically. Because uh, we ended up doing an increasing amount of content for them. And... Um, more than a little bit over a year into working together, um, it had all been online. But I met the founder in person, and um, we just hit it off and got 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 along really well. And a few months later, he said to me, "You know, you know, would you ever would you think of selling your business to me and coming in house here and helping me build out this brand?" So that's what we did. It's called an aqua hire where. My my team, myself and my team, we all went in-house there and became employees. So he didn't care about the other clients we had. We just ended those contracts. And instead, we focused all our time in building the penny hoarder. So I was the second employee there. Um, he had already done very well. It was a bootstrap business, but um, it was really well-resourced um, because he'd had some some success. And he'd been working on it already for like five years with just the help of contractors until then. and so. Um, yeah, that's how it happened. He he, I, I would never have thought I would sell the business. It never occurred to me. And I also had n no plans of ever becoming an employee again, because by this time, this was like five years past between when I first started the, the agency or first started freelancing, basically, and when he actually bought the business. And I, I really was set on the idea of ha being my own boss and having the autonomy over my life. And in fact, I was actually pregnant when he bought the business. And so I kind of set up my life in a way that I felt like would support becoming a mom and 
having flexibility over my time. But when, when he made that suggestion, I realized there was a lot of pros to going in that direction. Um, for example, you just mentioned like when you're in an agency having to think about serving lots of different clients. And I, I thought it would, I, I looked, I liked the idea of focusing on one brand instead of spreading my energy amongst lots of different clients. Um, so it, yeah, it made sense. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering too, for you, so you go from having an agency, now you're working in-house. Tell me a little bit about how long you were with Penny Hoarder and kind of what that process, that next stage for you, because it's a lot of stages, right? Like you've, you've now um, had the agency be acquired. You're becoming a mom for the first time and you're really full-time with this company. What was, what were those years like? It was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I wish it hadn't all happened at once. So, because, so I had worked with Kyle. He's the, he was a founder of the Penny Hoarder, um, the buyer. I had worked with him for about a year and a half before he purchased the business. And I think the agreement went through in, in the summer and June or something. And then I had the baby in September, but because I had put like all these processes in place, we had a plan for me to take some time off and we had other people who could run things while I was away. Um, but we grew really fast and we, we hired a lot of people very quickly. Um, so I got a lot of, I got a chance to kind of practice flexing that operational muscle and like, how do you scale a startup and how do you put pieces in place so people actually succeed once you hire them? And, and I enjoyed that, that piece. And I got to do a lot of things that I think were much bigger than I would have done on my own, but it was a really hard time. Um, for me and my family, just in terms of the demands of doing that while having kids. Cause I, so then 21, 21 months after I had my first kid, I had my second. And so we had two under, under three um, and it, it was a lot. Um, so yeah, that's why I say, I wish it all hadn't happened at once, but that's pretty common in women's careers. I feel like you get opportunities at the same time as you're having kids. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's the same for me and, and my kids were close together as well. And it's kind of like, trial by fire, who am I? And there's a lot of identity things that happen, I think, for women at that time that you're becoming a mom, you're learning how you work, your marriage is shifting too, because you have all of that happening. And at the same time, if you're working, it's like, okay, how do I juggle this? Who am I now? And just kind of, I find that in a lot of stories, it is those pivotal points where People say it was so fast. I don't even know what was happening, but I just know it was chaotic. That's kind of the only thing you can take away from it. Yeah. My husband and I joked that we can't remember those. There was two years where we moved down to Florida so I could be in the office. And also because I had a, I think we moved, my kid was two months old or something. We just realized that we couldn't do it all remotely. So we moved down there and we, we joked that we can't even remember those years. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> we were so sleep deprived. Thing. I was like, I don't even remember. I don't remember those years. Like, I don't know who I was. I don't know how I functioned. I don't, I don't know any of it. So I resonate with that. Okay. So you moved down to Florida and you're working full time for the business. You're juggling what it's like to be a new mom and all of that. Um, did it end at two years? Was it only a two year stint down there? So I, I, after he bought the business, I worked on the business for two years remotely. Um, so we were a few years in when I moved down there. 
and the team at this point had grown much bigger and it was harder and harder for me to manage everything not being in the office because most people were in the office. So yeah, I, I ended up staying there for two years and then it was a good chance to, truthfully, we wanted to move, like we wanted to move out of Florida. So we we weren't really Florida people. I, the place we, in St. Pete, it was fantastic. Like it was, a, it was, I missed the food and the yoga <laughs> of St. Pete, <laughs> but we're, it. yeah, but we're mountain people. So we knew we wanted to move somewhere else. And so when the chance came up, it, it was a good chance for me to leave the company and um, it was kind of going into a new phase as well. Um, it was a good chance for us to to move, be able to move our family to a place we really wanted to live. Right. Okay. So you're done with Penny Hoarder. Now, where are you at? Is it you're thinking going back to journalism, starting another business? What's your thoughts? We, we left there and we moved uh, up to West Virginia to Harper's Ferry, which is a new town for us. And this was right before the pandemic. Um, so I was basically trying to figure out what did I want to do next? I did some consulting where I helped businesses grow writing teams. Um, and I was thinking about like, what business did I want to launch? And then the pandemic happened and I was home with my two-year-old and (laughs) four-year-old. Um, and we were juggling and, and so I ended up, it took me a lot longer to start the next thing than I would have liked. But I think one of the benefits of that was that I had a lot of time to simmer over the idea. And, and so I definitely didn't rush into anything because I was kind of forced to wait until I had the brain space and the actual time to start a new business. Hmm. Okay. So here's a little, it's not a sidestep, but I'm curious about you. Do you resonate with being a fact finder or being a quick start? Oh, Have you I'm ever taken st- the Colby? I've never taken it but I'm a quick start. <laughs> okay. So I was this hard for you <laughs> yes, to wait? It was okay. horrible. <laughs> okay. It was, yeah. it was really hard. Um, but you know, that I think that time was hard for everybody and we were all trying to feel out like, how do we navigate COVID? And there were so many things to think about. Um, and, and at the time, like I, I felt like it was really hard having our two-year-old and our four-year-old around. We didn't have childcare for a long time. Um, but looking back, I feel actually lucky that they weren't school age because then I would have had to figure out how to do remote schooling. And mm-hmm. I think we, you know, our it kids, our kids aren't going to remember it. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is he- helpful, right? Like, I think you bring up a great point about, you know, how we help our kids like process all of these things. And when they're so young, they won't even remember. It'll just be a blip. Okay. So you're in the, you're in home with two and four year old. You're, you have this idea percolating. What was the idea and did that come to fruition? I thought about doing something completely different because at this point I'd worked in media, run media businesses. And I realized that I wanted something that was like slightly different to challenge me, but that I didn't want to totally depart from media because that's what I know and that's what I'm good at. And it gives me, it lets me start things faster because I, I've done it a bunch of times. So what I ended up choosing, what I'm working on now is a media brand called They Got Acquired. It's at theygotacquired.com. And we help founders sell their business. So a huge pain point I had was, um, and actually I should back up for a second. I, I, after, I, after I left the penny order, I sold another um, media property that I had worked on. It was called The Right Life, W-R-I-T-E, The Right Life. So it was a website for writers. And... Um, that was a different kind of sale because I basically handed this asset over to a new owner. Um, 
And I had already gone through selling a business once, so I sort of knew what I was doing, but I still felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) And I had a lot of questions. And I, quite frankly, I didn't know where to find someone to help me. So both of those experiences led me to start They Got Acquired because I realized that there's just a real gap when it comes to helping founders who either want to sell or want to build a business that they can sell later, or they get approached by a buyer like happened what happened to me and have to like really quickly get up to speed on how to do this. And it's kind of like when you get married, like you have to go through this huge learning curve of figuring all these things out. And then in that case, you kind of hope you'll never use that again, right? Because this is going to be your one and only wedding. And with selling a business, lots of founders will go on and do it twice or three times, but um, you don't do it often. And the first time, especially there's a huge learning curve. So that's what, that's what we're, we're trying to help with. Um, we focus on putting out content about how to sell your business. And that includes a lot of case studies of founders who have sold and how they sold their business. Um, and then we also have, um, we're developing some different products that directly help the founders who are looking to do this. Okay. Got it. Okay. So here's what I'm interested in. So you um, have gone through two sales. And when you think of selling a business, I have to say, I agree with you. Like there's not a lot of information out there. Like when you hear selling or you even hear use the term founder, my mind goes to PayPal founder or like these really big businesses. I don't think it doesn't feel approachable. Like it's for the small business owner. Is that what you were kind of feeling too at that same time? Like, I don't feel like there's anything. I don't feel like there's anything for me. This doesn't relate to me. And you had to push back, push past that. Like, talk a little bit more about that kind of big, big it's out here versus this is actually approachable for the regular business owner. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I feel like a lot of the stories that were out there were of massive sales. Like you have to sell for hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars to get any media coverage and 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 for people to share details about you know how that happened. But the truth is that there are way more of us who are running much smaller businesses. So we focus on the smaller segment. We feature um, deals that are in the six, seven, and low eight figure range. So it's typically. Um, Companies that are selling between a hundred thousand and usually about twenty million, um, but it's a, it's a smaller entrepreneur. So um, and many of them are one person teams. We get to serve a lot of female led businesses, which I really appreciate. There's so many good stories out there, and those those just they really didn't exist anywhere. No one was kind of covering this. Um, no one was covering this niche in a way that was going to be helpful to people who want to sell their business. Well, I totally agree with you. And that's actually what caught my eye about um, you on LinkedIn was because I think somebody had shared something that you had written. I followed them. It's kind of... I had just been getting into LinkedIn. You know how kind of LinkedIn works like that where you you see other people's stuff. And what resonated with me was that it was stories of people that I could see myself in. It wasn't the stories of, you know, like... PayPal was acquired. PayPal's not acquired, but like I'm using that as an example of like, let's say it was acquired by like Visa or something like that. That feels like this big boardroom deal and there's all these people. But when you told the stories and I started reading them, I was like, it was really refreshing to hear stories of people who sold their business for $200,000 or 
um, 500,000 or something like that. Cause you never hear figures like that. You'll always hear these like big gigantic numbers. And I think there was power in that for me. Like, oh, this is possible, not just for me, if that's a road that I want to go down, but it's possible for all these creators that I know. And you and I talked about that at Creator Economy Expo of this whole idea that there's so many people who started as bloggers a long time ago, and they're still blogging. They have years and years of content. And there's people who just walk away from it. And I wonder, and you can probably speak more to this, if there's people who just walk away from it because they don't even think that selling's an option for them. Yeah. I mean, we featured a number of those people um, and I've talked to many of them who say, oh, I, I was going to just shut down my business, but someone said, so said I should talk to you because <laughs> I, I do free free calls with any founder who's thinking about selling just to like brainstorm options. And I've, I've, yeah, a number of those calls have been that type of person. And it makes me really excited to think about like, how can I, how can this founder get get a lot more out of their sweat equity? Like how can they walk away with a reward for all the things that they've been they've been building over the years. Yeah. And you, okay, so let's talk a little bit about they got acquired. So um, when I heard you talk about how you grew the business and how you started to build it up, um, it was initially through writing and creating and telling stories. And then what's your, what? how has it evolved over time and what's your hope for it in the future? Yeah, well, my, since my background is in media, that's that's what I'm good at is like creating a content company. Um, we have a team of reporters and an editor who make sure that we're publishing the content we want to publish. And we put a newsletter out a couple times a week. So that's kind of the foundation of how do we grow that audience. But now what we're working on is offering different product lines that can help founders sell. So, you know, we've, it's been around for a year and a half now. So I've talked to a lot of founders. We've done a lot of profiles on founders who have sold. So I have a good handle on what people need. So now we're working on putting out things that address th- those needs. So for example, we just launched a short course on how to sell a business. It's really high level. It's just one hour of videos. And I never envisioned putting out a course when I started this website because um, I've kind of done that before and I, I was like, I want to do something different. But when I do calls with founders, I'm always answering the same questions. And I just realized I should just put this all into a course so people can see it all at once. And then another thing that grew out of that is we're preparing to hopefully launch a membership, which is going to build on the course and like go deeper on the different topics uh, so that people can have help as they're basically as they're thinking about like, how do I build this business with a sale in mind, understanding the different levers you can pull to maximize your valuation. I love that. And we'll have a link to that course below in the show notes. So in your podcast app, just scroll down and you can find it. If you um, picture someone going through that course, who is your ideal that you would want to go through it? Because I know there's like many different industries. There's many different people that it could serve. But as you're creating it, who is in your mind? Well, it's for online business owners specifically. So it's not for people who own a yoga studio or a restaurant. Like we specifically focus on online businesses. You know, a lot of people take it who are thinking actively like I want to sell now. But I want to get it more into the hands of people who are thinking, I want to sell three years from now. So that, because the thing is, if like you understand how to set your business up now so that it can sell for more later, that's that's a win, right? So the more I can help people get ahead of it, that's what 
more and more as like exciting me. Because if, if a founder comes to me and they're like, I'm so burnt out and I need, I need to sell this business, you can definitely do that. But if you have a little bit more juice in you to make some optimizations, then you can probably sell for more. And like if a step beyond that, if you're thinking ahead and saying, okay, how do I build this business? Like, not that you're only going to optimize for a sale, but if you understand the pieces that go into it, you can, you can, you'll just take that in, into consideration as you're building and hopefully make choices that are healthy for um, creating a business that you can eventually sell. Yeah. And I think too, what you said about it's easy to think about selling a business when you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed. And that's usually probably the time that you shouldn't sell it just because it's because some things are broken and it's you would get less or people would see these broken pieces and use it as leverage or whatever. And I have taken just this realization in recently that if it it's okay to have an idea of selling in the future and to have a roadmap. Like, even if I don't want to execute on that roadmap, at least I have a plan. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, the thing is, all the things that we suggest in this course that you should do to think about or to optimize your business for selling, they're the same things that you would do to build a great business that you want to run. So for example, the most obvious one is you want to increase your revenue and and your profit or your earnings that's going to be the biggest thing that that you can do to increase the value of your business and you don't want to do that just just before a sale you also want to do that now so that you make more money right <laughs> so exactly. it helps you now um and there's a lot of other examples where like i think when people start thinking about selling they get in a certain mindset they're like okay i have to make the hard choices now like there's something they've been thinking about doing for a long time like maybe there's an unperform or, or underperforming member of their team who they know they should have eliminated a while back and they just didn't have the heart to do it. And now they're looking, they're looking at it and saying, well, if I got rid of that person, it would be one less expense and the business would be a better business for a seller. It's easier to make those choices for some of us when we're thinking actively about a sale. But if you apply that same mentality to how you're running the business now, it's like, well, you should do that for yourself now because <laughs> it's a better business for you to run. It's less stressful. It's more lucrative. So that's kind of the cool part is like all the things that you'd be doing for a sale, you probably should be doing now anyways. Right. Excellent point. Okay. So you're in the industry of, would you, well, I'm going to assume. So you tell me if I'm wrong. You are in the industry of helping people understand not only that selling is possible, but how to sell your business. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So in every industry, we find that there is obviously narratives being shared or things that maybe we see that could be harmful or even a false message. I don't know much about the industry of buying and selling companies. You do. So do you think there are elements of false messages or things that are being shared that are not um, helpful that you would tell somebody like, Hey, watch out for this if you're starting to think about selling a business because some people might share XYZ. The biggest one, I think, is that you have to sell your business for a certain number of millions for it to be a win. And in reality, for many founders, selling for a million dollars or half a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars is still a huge win. Um, many of those, like those lower sale numbers, 
they're stepping stones. It's like you sell once and then you know how to build your business um, in a better way the next time you have an opportunity. So it's it's still a win. And, and even on its own, like $100,000 is nothing to scoff at. For many of us, that's a great addition to our family legacy, you know, and it, it helps you and your family. So um, that's the biggest piece is like reframing what success actually means. Um, and having founders realize that like, yeah, you built something that's valuable and this is a huge win for you. Hmm, for sure. Okay. So we've obviously that's the negative part of it, but what's, what's the great part about what's being shared in your industry? What are you excited about? I think the biggest piece for me personally is I get to help a lot of women sell their businesses. And this is largely like a male dominated field. And there's lots of great super helpful, knowledgeable men in the field. Um, I wish there was more women, especially on the expert side. And so I do a lot, a lot of the calls that I do with founders who want to, or who are thinking about selling. Many of them are women. In fact, right before this, this call, I had four back-to-back calls with founders. And my husband asked me how they went. And I said, actually, it was great. It was like four women (laughs) back-to-back. And and I I think that that's an audience that's like underserved and doesn't feel like they always have messaging that resonates um, or maybe, you know, aren't comfortable asking like the questions that they feel like they should know the answers to. Like I like having that space where we make that possible, we make that conversation possible. Um, And with the goal of seeing more women sell. I and that's kind of like my own personal mission behind doing this business. It's like, yes, we actually we serve everyone. We don't just serve women. We serve anyone who wants to sell a business. But to me, it's like my way of helping more women make money and lifting women up in the world. And I I think women should be making more of the decisions <laughs> in the world generally. And the only way we're going to get there is if women have more money. And this is one way that I can make a tiny dent in that. Yeah. I think it sounds very similar to how women have, how they feel about um, the stock market or investing. It feels like it's a male dominated industry. It's something actually for me for a long time, I was like, well, my dad does it. Like, I don't really know. It's super confusing. Right. And then when I finally started researching and looking out there and I started hearing women even talk about it, it felt so much more approachable. And I've had the same response regarding selling a business, I've thought, well, it's just for people who are super big or they're super wealthy. Or I will hear men talk about it on a podcast. And the instant response that I have is, man, I don't know anything. Maybe this isn't like where I belong or it's just, it's not for me. And I love that your passion is to help women say, it is for me. And it is something I can figure out. And it is something I can do. Because just like we need more women investing in the stock market, we need more women who grow businesses and can sell them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we need more women buying businesses. Yes. That's kind of another place where there's there's just not not enough. But yeah, slowly making change. I love it. I love that mission. Okay. So a couple last questions here. Um, this is kind of a fun one. It's if you could have dinner... With any entrepreneur, author, business owner, who would it be and why? I feel like these questions are always so hard because I know. <laughs> I, I think I think from my like from working as a reporter, I I just don't care about like 
celebrities or people who made it big. I see them all as just normal people. Um, and like right now where I am in my life, I would rather have lunch with like a close friend who I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> so that's, that, that's how I would, that's where my priorities are at the moment. Yeah. You have an interesting vantage point with that. I didn't even think about that, but I think it's more connection instead of information, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Love that. Okay. As you look out over the next three years in your business, since we're talking about kind of projecting ahead, where do you see your business and even this industry? I mean, I still feel like I'm figuring out this business. Like we're only a year and a half in. Um, I came in with a plan, but of course we've changed it many times. So I still feel like I'm figuring it out. So three years from now, I will hope that I will have, I mean, well beyond, well before that, I hope I will have figured it out and be running a business that's helping an increasing number of founders sell. And one that's also profitable and, you know, making some money for my family. Um, hopefully I'll have systems in place that let me work a little bit less while still achieving the results that we want to see. And yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in this point in my life where I, I have small kids, they're six and seven, and I really want to be spending, it's funny because I want to spend more time on work, but I also want to spend more time with my family. <laughs> yeah, it's attention. Um, it really, really is. Um, but like, yeah, ideally, I'd like to feel like I'm getting the things done that I, that are important to me for the business in fewer hours so that I can do more adventures with my kids while they're kind of in this um, golden age. So that that's that's more important to me, quite frankly, than growing the business fast. Although it is attention. Like I I want, like I have days where I'm like, oh, I just, I can see the path. I wish I could put the pieces in place to move there faster. But I think like where my heart is, is, is also wanting to, um, hang out with my family and get our adventures in. Yeah. Which I think that makes you even better equipped to work with women who are in the same space trying to buy or sell businesses. Cause you get it, you get that tension, you get that uh, strain on life that it, it's not a full-time, some, it's not full-time. Like for any of us who have kids at home, especially in the summer, <laughs> like, you know, it's the revolving door of activities and lessons and every week is different. You can never plan ahead. It's it's a lot to, I joke that like, it's a lot to be your kid's cruise director and <laughs> run a business. Like, because yeah. that's what it feels like a lot of times. Like you have the meals and the activity and all these things. So I'm excited for you and how you're going to continue to impact the business world, impact those who need to hear the message of growing and selling their business and that that can inspire them creatively to kind of keep doing that. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Where can people go to connect with you and what's the best way for them to kind of start to see what it is you're doing and hear the stories? Well, first get on our email list. It's theygotacquired.com slash newsletter. And there's still quite a few personal pieces for me in there. Every Tuesday, I do a behind the business section where I talk about like how I'm thinking about building the business. Um, and if you reply to those emails, I will always respond and read all of them. I'm on Twitter at Alexis Grant. Those are probably the two best places. Okay, cool. And we'll put a link to that below as well. And I am on the newsletter too as well. I love it. And it's so 
you guys have great headlines, obviously, and it's really good at sucking me into the story. But I love that it's been all different types of founders and it's just super cool. So I highly recommend for those listening, go get on the newsletter, start to kind of just understand. And if you feel intimidated by the idea of even creating a plan for selling your business or even at the thought of it feels weird, just start reading these stories. That's it. You're not committing to anything. You're literally just hearing something that you've never heard before. So definitely go sign up for that. Alrighty. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking this time and um, cheers to you this summer. I know what we're all, what we're, you're all <laughs> navigating. And um, yeah, we just wish you a lot of success in your business. And thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks. This was fun. Yeah.